Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, as always, along with now this is going to take some adjustment period. NFL.com's Eric Edholm, uh, formerly of Yahoo Sports, formerly of Pro Football Weekly. When since we're both old now, Eric, I can say <laughs> way back when I was young and reading you at Pro Football Weekly. But congratulations on uh joining NFL.com. Happy to see it. Yeah, thank you very much, and I appreciate. It. I'm still getting used to the sound of it, which is a good thing, obviously. And uh, yeah, I left a great place for another good, and went to another good place. I mean, I'm very uh, blessed and lucky to be here. And uh, you know, it's just it's been fun, kind of getting my feet wet. The real work is is just starting. So let's get on in. Let's let's get dirty, man. Well, I think you're in the best shape of your life here entering <laughs> yes, this camp training shape. camp. Yep. As <laughs> you know, you know, I, I think that players figured out that we made fun of them with that, right. and they don't say, yeah, they don't really say it anymore. It's also not, it's also not a question where you're like, are you in shape? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think they are. They play football. <laughs> Scale of one to ten. I mean, you know, how you doing this season, like shape wise? I mean, how you? Yeah, we we we've we've been forced to recalibrate our questions, and they've been they you know they've come up with. Uh, uh, ways to parry our questions and it leads to some other bad questions you know the game man it's it's a hamster wheel we, we go through these cycles it happens in politics it happens in sports and music and so it's it's uh, all the same game i think sometimes you have to ask 10 good questions to get one good answer right and uh, that's that's the art of the game but uh, i wanted to talk with you about uh, especially since you're in the Chicago area and mm. closely tracked the Bears comings and goings. The news of the day is that Roquan Smith wants out of Chicago. And I think that it's a smart idea for Chicago to not pay Roquan Smith. Why would you pay a player uh, who you're not going to really be able to use in the cheapest years of his contract, which are yeah. usually the first years, because you're rebuilding this thing really from uh, a big pile of ash. Mm-hmm. And once you've traded Khalil Mack and you've lost the Keem Hicks, it's like it's it's over. So you have to rebuild it. Uh, their second best receiver is you. So, mm. I, I mean, they're not going to win any games. Why would you pay someone, especially at a non-premium position? So I think it's smart for Ryan Poles to play hardball here and kind of tank the possibility of signing Rokon Smith. But I guess what I wanted to ask you is when you compare what the Bears are doing to the Vikings not doing this, to not burning it down to a pile of wreckage, I guess what what is your feeling? Because both teams had that opportunity and both teams wanted Ryan Poles as their GM and the Bears ended up just, just ripping this thing to shreds and the Vikings are a veteran team that is planning on being competitive. 
Yeah, it is fascinating to see the two different approaches. I think, you know, and you could argue, obviously, neither front office is completely so long term on their quarterbacks. And obviously, it's apples to oranges because we have Kirk Cousins, you know, well into his career with a large salary versus Justin Fields, an unproven guy uh, that you're still trying to figure out with a with a regime change. So, you know, that that's different. But there's also the same kind of end result, which is they're still thinking about the possible replacement at that position. And to me, that always, you know, uh, defines what your your direction as a, as a franchise is going to be, right? Are we set at quarterback? You know, like those little maps, right? You know, are, are you feeling sick today? Yes, do these things. No, do this, right? It's the same way with your, your how established you are at quarterback. And I think that what the Vikings may have seen is that, you know, even if, if Kwesi may have let it slip that, you know, you're you're always going to be looking for more. The fact that you do have Kirk Cousins, who you know can can has proven that he can put up big numbers fairly consistently year after year, even if he always you know leaves you wanting a little bit more. Uh, you know, in a year where Devontae Adams was traded, the Bears seem to be in a in a full rebuild. You know, we don't know how established Detroit is going to be. Maybe they feel like they can sneak up on people a little bit. You know, there's just, there hasn't been, I mean, you're right next to it, obviously. There just hasn't been a lot of buzz or, or, you know, vibe around the Vikings. I don't know that people know what to make of them this year. So it is going to be fascinating to see what the end result is. But long way of saying that even though we need to wait to see what's going to happen with Roquan and maybe the Bears are just playing hardball, I think your overarching sentiment is right, which is, if you're a contending team, if you're close, maybe you pay the guy. You find a way. You you make some some hard decisions. If you're not, uh, then then you consider all your options, which includes possibly trading them. Right. And if you're a really competitive <clears throat> team right on the edge here, then you should trade for Roquan Smith because he could probably help you. But uh, there's it's funny about that the the sea change of going toward more of the ML uh, MLB or even uh, NBA. I guess NBA was probably ahead of this. Hockey has kind of always been like this. Like you're either all the way in or yeah. all the way trying to get a top draft pick. And the NFL was really not like this. I think until recent years where teams sort of came around to this idea that like, we need to be really tearing it down. Miami was the most aggressive and now has lost the draft pick because of it. Maybe don't try to buy off your coach <laughs> or whatever. Like, I, I know that that's not entirely what that's about, but like right. Stephen Ross, I feel you. And I think what you did was right, but like, don't be so blatant about telling your coach to lose on purpose. Uh, but you know, even Cleveland people are like, Oh, it didn't work for Cleveland. Like the hell it didn't. I yeah. mean, they had an 11 win season after they had been bad for so long. And then, you know, now in a position, uh, unfortunately with the Watson situation, it's gross, but like to trade for an elite quarterback and everything else, like that's where you want to be. That's why you do those things is to set your salary cap to be able to do it. So in some ways I look at the bears and I say respect, but also your quarterback, though you need him to be good, how will you know if he's good when this is what you're giving him? I think that that part of it makes it difficult to completely buy into what they're doing as opposed to, say, Miami that just threw Ryan Fitzpatrick in there and said, go get him, Tiger. <laughs> right. Yeah, that last point is is really interesting. Not necessarily the you know the Fitzpatrick part, but yes, I mean, the part about the Bears evaluating their quarterback. I mean, that's even led some people around here rightly or wrongly but but still it's it's gotten to the point where people are wondering does Ryan Poles even like Justin Fields right I mean it's almost like he's 
you know, some people have suggested set him up to fail. I don't think that's quite the case. I think internally their belief is that they have better solutions to some of their problem areas than people realize. We'll see if that ends up being true, right? They have offensive line issues. Tevin Jenkins, they draft in the second round, is kind of in limbo. We don't know where he stands. You know, he's been mentioned in trades already. Uh, just figuring out who their their front five is going to be is going to be an interesting process. Then the receiver situation, the fact that there's hair pulling or, or you know, sort of hand-wringing about Nikhil Harry going down and getting hurt, and this is like, oh, boy, now we're in trouble – kind of gives you an indication of how thin things really are, right? Even if Darnell Mooney is a nice little playmaker and, and Vilas Jones ends up being, you know, uh, puts all the jokes to the side about him being 25 years old and ends up being a pretty good player. Okay, who else, right? By- Byron Pringle's been dropping the ball in, in camp. You know, we don't know what Daz Newsom is yet. Equinemius St. Brown, same thing. So, you know, other than the run game, what do you truly have? And arguably Cole Komet at tight end, although I'm not there yet on him, but how do you how do you know right you're asking a lot of a young quarterback who was kind of already put through the blender last year with all that the the mess of just not knowing who stood where on the quarterback depth chart and who was going to get the first team snaps and when that was going to happen it was you know you lost a year with, with Justin now you're prepared to lose another year with him essentially you know, we yeah. were talking about Miami and who this compares to, to me is like Ryan Tannehill, where the Miami situation was really bad for him. And yeah. I see some similarities in their game. Like Tannehill holds on yeah. the ball too long, but he's a great athlete. He's got a yep. cannon. Uh, Fields is a better runner, but Tannehill can definitely run. Uh, but you ended up with like Adam Gase as his coach. And it's just like, what are you even doing there? And then he goes somewhere else and it ends up working out. I think there's a lot of quarterbacks like that. And Fields kind of strikes me as that guy where there's enough there that you could see him succeeding, but he's not going to be somebody who you just throw into this horrendous situation and he just like instantly overcomes it. Yeah, I I, I love the Tannehill example you just used. I hadn't considered that, but I think that's a really smart observation because, you know, obviously he, it took till arguably his second team, you know, he had flashes and there were times when he looked pretty decent in Miami, but overall, I think you'd say disappointing. And, you know, it took a a second team to kind of, you know, coax it out of him to get out of that situation to switch conferences and get a team that that played to his strengths as best they could. Now, you know, is is Tannehill any great shakes? Arguable, right? But still, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And, and it's a great reminder that, that, just because a quarterback fails in one place doesn't mean that, that he can't succeed elsewhere. And we saw, you know, and, and we've seen in, in numerous examples over the years. Feel free to use it at NFL.com if you want to. Uh, you can steal that one. Uh, I might. Uh, now, you know, when you were talking about the, the Vikings and their situation, you talked about it the same way that everyone talks about it, which is like, well, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm on a Vikings podcast and they could maybe, and there's, a, you know, Devontae Adams, and I don't know. Uh, I, here's, here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Okay. Because, because, the national media of which you are a part of is NFL.com. Uh, <laughs> that's every take all the time. And I don't even disagree with it. I'm just saying that like, that's every take on the Vikings. So here's your challenge. Yes. I want you to come up with a hot take about the Vikings. Give me, it doesn't have to be that they're going to win the Super Bowl or whatever else, but something regarding the Vikings, because every take is, well, Ryan Tannehill, or uh, not Tannehill, uh, Kirk Cousins is the 14th best quarterback and uh, maybe Kevin O'Connell and maybe, maybe hot take me they'll be better than people think that's my hot take I think Detroit will too though so I, I'm trying to you know I'm in that that phase where 
you know, you sort of say to yourself, I have general ideas of where I think teams are going to finish, but I haven't sort of put the ink on records and things like that. I mean, first of all, it's not like they play some, you know, a, a ridiculous slate of quarterbacks. You got Aaron Rodgers twice, but again, maybe a weak inversion given what they went through this offseason. I think they have Josh Allen on the schedule this year, if I'm not mistaken, you know, Dak and, and a few other pretty good ones. But, you know, they, they have enough, I think, of a, I don't want to say a soft schedule, but a reasonable one where I think they can win some ball games and maybe be better defensively than we think too. I mean, there, there's still some projection and the question of, you know, whether there's a true pass rush, whether they have the, the cornerback depth. I happen to think their safeties are, are really nice. So I obviously love the, uh, the pairing of Smith and scene, if that's how it ends up being. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if Andrew Booth can step up as a rookie, you know, and have a, a strong year, that's, that's, that's nice. That's a nice thing to have right away to add to your defense. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I kind of see that plus the the offensive weapons of all healthy. And I say, I think they're going to win more games than they lose. I'll say that. I don't know that they'll be much better than nine and eight, but you know what I mean? Like that's, that's kind of where I see them going. And I promise I, if I thought they were a terrible team, I would tell you straight up, you know me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I may, I may soften the edges a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to at least tell you what I think. So I, I, I just think they're kind of being overlooked a little bit, um, and that maybe it was some of it was a, a Zimmer effect and just the fatigue of, of everything that had transpired over, you know, a couple of years, I would say, prior to him getting uh, let go. I like what happened there. What happened there was you came in hot with, you're going to be better than people think. And then you got to maybe <laughs> and nine and eight. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I guess that's the question. My, my, my question would be what if you were to poll like a thousand pretty well-informed NFL fan, what, tell me, what, what do you think they would – cumulatively come up with for the Vikings record. Maybe I'm maybe the lack of buzz is kind of of put them in a light that I don't necessarily you know what I mean? Maybe I'm I'm underestimating how, how good people think they are. Uh no, I think that we have this answer, right? Is the the Vegas lines that they are oh, yeah, set sure, by the right. sharpest people. Yep. And the sharpest people think that they are a nine win or eight win oh, team. Okay. And so that's what people think of them. I guess if you were trying to come up with a hot take, the natural hot take is that that's way too low and that they could be way better, or that's way too high and they could be way worse. And we're giving way too much credit to a rookie coach uh and so forth. But what ends up happening is the truth usually ends up being somewhere in the middle of that. So mm-hmm. here's here's me though, yeah. like knowing that that's a reasonable take, but also sort of trying to fight my way through everything, always cu- tumbling back down that hill to well, maybe they'll win nine games, right? Because the, I think though, here's the here's maybe the take. You can react to this one. I'll, yeah. I'll try. I'll try. If they don't win eleven games, it's a pretty big failure because of what we just talked about. That they had the opportunity to rebuild and to take the Ryan Poles route in Chicago, maybe not like to this level, but they could have reset a lot of things. And instead they said, no, we have to have Harrison Smith back and not just back, but on like the highest contract for a safety. We have to keep Adam Thielen. We have to keep Kirk Cousins for another year. We must stay competitive. We must try to try to, you know, chase an NFC championship or Super Bowl. So if you are not way better than what the sharp people in Vegas think, then you failed pretty badly. That yeah. that's how I'm viewing this season. Right. And and here's the thing, you could argue that if you don't if you don't think you have a shot at winning a Super Bowl, and I never I know, you know, 
how, how big is a shot? 1%, 5%, 10%, you know, you have to make that determination, right? And I know obviously Vegas comes up with those kinds of lines too, right? But if you don't think you have a somewhat reasonable chance to A, get in the playoffs and B, do some damage when you're there, I mean, it's like you, you should almost always default to to cleaning house. I think, I mean, again, maybe that's a little bit too extreme. Maybe I'm compensating for my lack of a, for my lukewarm take earlier, but seriously, I mean, I, I mean, unless you can see, all right, this is just a group of young people, young uh, players, and this is going to take a year to kind of farm out how everybody fits and everything. That's a little bit of a different situation, I think, but yeah, I mean, in, in their situation, if you don't feel like you have a, a, even a sliver of a chance to win a Super Bowl, then, then you could argue that the stasis is the wrong call. Folks, training camp is here, and there's no better way to represent your purple fandom by going to sodastick.com and checking out all their Minnesota sports-inspired goods. The best football designs, in my opinion, are Randy Moss's disgusting act and the purple people eaters look. But look, there's lots more for you to check out at sodastick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, t-shirts, hoodies, Hats, whatever you're looking for, use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER at checkout for 15% off your purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and I think that like it doesn't have to be the Miami owner right. is telling the coach to lose right. on purpose. It can just be as as much as this veteran player is not worth nineteen million on the salary cap. Correct. And we have to move this player, and then that's it. And then we'll find someone else. And so this is a good this is a good discussion here as well because I was thinking about this with Roquan Smith as I was seeing the uh, uh, the dialogue on Twitter as there always is on yes. Twitter. But it was like you have half of the people saying, no, it's actually good to get rid of Roquan Smith and not pay him. And the other half saying you can't bleed talent because that's just another position that you have to fill. And I think that there's a way to navigate that as a like rebuilding team that is not tanking. Like for the bears, it's a very easy choice for me. It's just like, get rid of them. There's no way you should be paying that guy at that position. But with the Vikings, they made a lot of similar decisions that I thought, you know, we, we just talk about any good players if they're irreplaceable, but a lot mm-hmm. of times, like when they signed Delvin cook to that huge contract, it was like Delvin cook is amazing, but like, there are other players. I think that's always the best example. Like there are other players who can do this. Uh, and I think that the Vikings maybe fall in love with their own guys a little bit mm-hmm. and they just didn't want to, 
They didn't want to believe that you could draft another receiver who could fill Adam Thielen's shoes or, or something, right? So I, I think that there is a space where you can competitive rebuild in a real way, not just say it like Kwesi Adafo Mensa did. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and some of that may be, hey, look, we have a first-year head coach. Let's not strip him bare of talent, right? I mean, unless we're so convinced this is the next, you know, Don Schuler, or Bill Belichick or, or what have you, I mean – let's let's support him with with these veteran pieces but at some point those things are going away and you better be on you know have a better feel for it you know he's obviously a, a younger head coach too I can remember talking to him as a rookie player at the uh, uh NFL premiere weekend whenever he came out of the draft of four or whatever heck year was I don't even know maybe a little later than that but uh yeah I mean like it wasn't that long ago right so uh it it's it's certainly part of it. There is that scale of like, do we want to throw our first year head coach to the wolves and give him a, a 38 man roster? Or do we want to maybe swallow hard on some of these contracts and say, all right, we're going to bite the bullet and kind of take this thing now. We'll worry, you know, we'll, we'll kick the can down the road, so to speak a little bit and, you know, approach it that way. I don't know. I mean, that, that, that's certainly uh, something to consider maybe. No, I think that that is an important point, that if you give Kevin O'Connell a horrendous roster to work with, uh, things can get dramatic real fast with bad rosters. And, yeah. uh, you know, setting up your coach to at least have a competitive season gets his feet wet and maybe you can manage the other things. And the way to do that was another thing I wanted to ask you about was the young players on their roster, mm -hmm. kind of starting with this year's draft. I think that if you're beginning on competitive rebuilding and you're saying where should we put some of our assets into the cornerback and safety position is a pretty good place to start safeties I tend to think could be a little more replaceable but not great safeties so you're taking a swing at that with right. Lewis scene but I don't know if we talked about this from the uh, from your perspective and view on scene and Andrew Booth and rebuilding uh, that secondary because it was a it was kind of a back and forth of I really think they maybe should have just drafted Jamison Williams, but I also think they did a good job with these players in getting Lewis seen and Andrew Booth Jr. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked, I was maybe I don't know. I don't, I don't sit there and check everybody else's draft rankings uh, or, you know, compare notes. I mean, I, I look around of course, like anybody else who does this, but uh, I try not to let other people's rankings affect what I put down on paper because I want it to be mine and I want to be, you know, be able to defend it if it comes to a situation and admit that I didn't despise Kellen Mond coming out of college. <laughs> so, you know, things like that. But I think I had seen at number 20 or 21 overall. I mean, he was one of my favorite players in this past draft class. I mean, you know, enforcer versus the run, enough range to to cover large tracts of land on the back end. You know, I think had blitz potential that wasn't necessarily shown. Um, he's got the, you know, the student of the game type makeup and all that. And he just, you know, the, the dimensions, the athletic ability, it, it you can't draw him much better. You wish he had a little bit more ball production in college and he played on a historically great defense. So there was you know, I mean, certainly some questions about how much he benefited from that and things like like that. So, you know, it's I, I get the, the the question marks about that a little bit, but I'll, otherwise, I say I think this is going to be one of the better safeties in the league. Come, you know, and and the crossover with Smith will help a lot. You know, Andrew Booth, I didn't, I wasn't quite as enamored with as some people were, but obviously, you know, good length, good athletic traits. 
you know, you wish you would have seen him work out. I believe he had the some kind of leg injury or something that prevented him. But, you know, I started making more plays on the ball, you know, made some plays in the line of scrimmage. I would say that the, you know, energy that he brings to the field is is pretty tangible. Uh, you know, obviously he played competitive high-level football and, and high-leverage games, and that had to – you know, they played combo man and zone. They did a lot of different stuff there. I liked both a lot. I just, I liked seeing more than most people that I could tell. And I like Booth maybe a, a tiny bit less than than some of the others as well. Yeah. And Booth has been impressive so yeah, far. I've heard. And uh, he, I think that what you see really is the footwork is really, really good. Like yes. there's just not a lot of separation that guys are getting uh, where he's getting thrown off a route or something like that. And the fact that, he does have that energy that he brings to practice. Like you sort of take note of that. Like, you know, there's a lot of guys that get real excited, but when it's a second round pick and they have confidence and swagger to them as a corner, you're going to take notice with scene. It's a little bit of a slower process. And partly because Cam Bynum is very good. I think Uh, he's done a great job filling, you know, filling that spot and setting a high bar for scene to clear. Mm -hmm. And so we're just starting to see seen get uh opportunity it's impossible not to do that of course uh, get uh, get opportunities with the first team and i think that that will continue as we go along yeah um, but how how they work that out with bynum and if seen is like there right away um that will be something that we're kind of watching but i i mean i agree with you it's like from the player that they got at 32 was a good value and a good player yep. so there was sort of like let's separate these conversations from would you have rather had the receiver and not given him to the lions Right. this? Now, another question on the young players though, is what in the world happened to the third round of the 2021 draft for the Minnesota Vikings? I mean, (laughs) now Patrick Jones is getting some second team reps at outside linebacker, clearly the number three or four outside linebacker, if that's something that matters to you. Um, (laughs) But uh, you know, like he's clearly ahead of like Janarius Robinson and all the other guys that they brought in, but Wyatt Davis, I mean, does he exist? Is he a real person? <laughs> I'm not entirely convinced that he does. He has n- basically never left the third team. Like, not wow. last year, not this year. Kellen Mond, I think that's what you get with third-round quarterbacks. It is what it is with him. Like, you're, yeah. you're, you're Kyle Laletta-ing here, Davis Webb. Like, there's always draft Knicks are like, I think I see something. You're like, no, you don't. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I guess I wonder about, like, was that was that a – maybe a factor of a lot of guys didn't come out. So the third round was more like a fifth round or just bad luck for the Vikings. Or did they make mistakes there? Like this, this third round is basically a ton of players who are just not going to matter to them. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, depending on how Davis Mills does in Houston, I'm trying to think of some other guys from that round who've, who've played and actually done something right. I mean, I guess, uh, was Nick Bolton? No, he was a second round pick. Yeah, the point is, right off the top of my head, I can't even think of anybody in that entire round who's, who's you know, Jalen Mayfield, the kid who started for Atlanta last year, is already being benched and was, you know, I mean, like, doesn't feel like it's a good situation there. And so he's he's another one who flopped out. So, yeah, it's possible. I'd have to go back and look a little deeper at that. Uh, it was interesting. Obviously, that was the year where we had you know, Micah Parsons, Jamar Chase, you know, these guys who step right in without even having played a college football season and dominate. Um, And then you have other guys who are, you know, top 75 draft picks who can't even sniff the field. So yeah, quite a disparity there. And, and again, even we had, 
you know, players drafted below that who were standouts and terrific. Elijah Mitchell last year for the 49ers, uh, you know, Trey Smith, a little unusual with the injury situation with him, was a six-round pick starting uh, on the offensive line. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown in Detroit was, what, a fourth or fifth, fourth-round pick. Um, you know, Royce Newman for the Packers started games too last year. I mean, you know, so there were players drafted below that who have, have turned out to be turned out to be pretty darn good. But again, off the top of my head, it's like that third round just feels like coincidentally, maybe there's a factor with the underclassmen, but a morass, you know, it's not been good. Yeah, maybe maybe just a bad luck, or maybe the the edge of players that teams thought had potential versus the long shots where you yeah. kind of draw that line first, second, third versus fourth, fifth, and so forth. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown was a weird one though. I, I remember seeing people like him and b- being mocked much higher yeah. and then dropping. I don't know why it was. And then, you know, the lions end up getting a steal there. Um, so I, yeah, I, I don't, I honestly don't know either, but I know that when we talk about the competitive rebuild and everything else, it's like, they don't have a lot of young talent to work with on the roster. They have young players. And I remember somebody tweeted like, Oh, well they've got whatever a average age or something. It's like, yeah. but those young players have to be good. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, right. that's part of it. And so when it comes to like retooling this roster to tie into our bigger conversation, I think that has to be a factor that it's not like you can just say, Oh, move on from this guy, move on from that guy, because we've been developing mm-hmm. Joe, whoever they, really outside of this draft class that's showing some intrigue and maybe someone like Cam Bynum and Ken A. Wong, you know, running back. Yep. Uh, but there's, there's just not a lot there as far as young talent on the roster, which also means that if they have some injuries, that that's where, that's where this thing has and can still come apart. Yeah. And I, and that's, that's always the biggest X factor too. Like you, you, you look at the depth charts, you say, wow, you know, they got all these, you know, early draft picks, established star, you know, any team, whether it's the Vikings or another one, you said yourself, but pretty good, right? One injury happens, a second. Baltimore Ravens are a great example, right? And I was kind of lulled into the thinking that they had actually drafted better than some people thought the last couple of years, but that their young players, second, third year guys were maybe stuck behind established starters. And that they, when they got their chance, they'd be turned out to not necessarily be true last year. We saw it on defense. We saw it in the backfield. We saw it in a few, you know, offensive line, even for Baltimore, which has really never been a huge issue for them. So not never, but, you know, in the last few years. So that those depth concerns will just crop up out of nowhere, right? And you can never predict injuries. You can never predict to what position they'll uh, attack themselves. So, yeah, I mean, it just – it really does – you have to look at that second team and, and how much you value them is is, is pretty telling. But – you know, that's maybe another reason why they took the approach they did of like, let's trade down, let's let's gather as many useful, talented football players. Let's not get too hung up on positional. Um, yes, we want positional fits, meaning like this guy does what we're going to ask him to do, but not like positional needs. And I always think that in the long run that that's going to end up being a, a savvier approach. But you're right for this year. Who knows?
Yeah, right. They couldn't just turn it over to the next wave at a lot of different positions because yeah. they just weren't in a position to do that. Uh, okay, before we wrap up, I want to ask you, boom or BS when it comes to players that I've seen talked about a lot throughout training camps around yeah. the league. Uh, starting with Trevor Lawrence, I just retweeted an article from hmm. uh, John Shipley, who you probably follow. Yeah. He covers the Jaguars. does a great job there. And uh, he wrote about how Trevor Lawrence has been super legit so far in training camp. And I, I would just say without having seen a single practice and only read what John wrote, that that is probably pretty meaningful to have a coach who knows what he's doing to, to match up the talent. And like, this is what you needed to see from Trevor Lawrence. I'm totally buying that he could take a huge step forward this year. Absolutely. I mean, I think when I, when I would sort of, put the screws to some of my scouting friends and say, all right, like, I don't want to just hear that Trevor Lawrence is a generational prospect. What do you think his biggest weaknesses are? You know, I had more than one person mention that adapting from Clemson's offense to the NFL was going to be a little bit of a leap, right? They, they had kind of simplistic designs and there wasn't a whole lot of diagnosing. A lot of the stuff was kind of predetermined for him in some respects. Again, some of it was nitpicking, but I think there was something to that. So you you add that plus the whole Urban Meyer debacle and the lack of a plan last year and losing ETN and not having enough weapons and having offensive line issues. You know, I just, where do you start? They didn't even know what to do with James Robinson. Like what? The kid had a great year as a rookie for a bad football team running the football, right? So I think a good coach might have an idea of how to use the guy. So Last year was so – I mean, like, you you can't go anywhere but up. And the the coolest part was that his Week 18 start against the Colts was maybe either his best or his second best game of the year. So he at least knew that he was he went through the, the blender and got chewed to pieces, but somehow still found ways to play his best football at times down the stretch. So he had a little momentum coming into the year. Doug Peterson comes in. They go hog wild and free agency, offensive line, receiver, tight end, what you, you name it. And ETN's back, and he's got another year in his belt. It's like the perfect formula for improvement. Plus, oh, by the way, he's talented. So, yeah, I I think we should see a, a big step up from him, even if, you know, he still probably has work to do by the end of year two where we say, you know, he's much better. But, you know, he's still got room to grow. Right. You know, the thing with uh, Lawrence that I liked, uh, similarly to Joe Burrow, Burrow was better in his first year, but it was like, the guy was in a horrific situation and fought through it. Like Absolutely. he did not by the end of the season, he wasn't a puddle. And I, and I did think at times Justin Fields was a puddle. It's just like, this guy wants to go home right now. Like he's <laughs> not fighting through this. And that concerns you like Trevor Lawrence seemed to never let it get to him, at least publicly. I'm sure it was driving him crazy, but it's like, that's the NFL is you need to have this uh, ability to overcome stuff. Even when you're a good team, it, there's a lot that's going to come. And for him to do that and get through that and not be thought of as a complete train wreck or the next Josh Rosen at the end of the year was kind of impressive. So I, I'm definitely buying that. Now, uh, uh, Zach Wilson is another one. The Vikings play Zach Wilson. Mm -hmm. um, are, are you buying that Zach Wilson looks better? Because, of course, he has Tyler Conklin as his tight end now. Hey, I've seen some Tyler. They Conklin were raving about him. Oh, yeah. Conklin is good. He can yes. catch the ball, man. Are you he buying can. Zach Wilson hype? I'm buying Conklin for sure, though. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm buying into Zach Wilson, but no, seriously though, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, Conklin's impressed them, and you know, has a shot to start. They, I know they have a Uzama and the, and the Jeremy, Jeremy Rucker kid they drafted in round three, but those three, all three guys will should play. And yeah, it, 
he's he's gonna have a lot fewer excuses next year if we don't see a pretty I don't want to say cavernous leap, but a you know a pretty big jump in his play and his consistency. He was a little bit better after coming back from injuries. Seemed I think cut down on the sacks and the turnovers after that. But um, you know the first part of the year was, oof, and he got all the reps last year. So it wasn't like okay, this wasn't a field situation where he was kind of thrown in having not worked with the first team. No, Zach Wilson spent his whole off season working with the ones pretty much, but. You know, there have been times where Joe Flacco has been sharper in practice from from people I trust uh, I've read there and haven't been able to see him in person, obviously. But I'm looking forward to the preseason just to see if there's a little bit less YOLO ball and a little bit more maybe control chaos because we still want him to be an in- innovator and a playmaker. That's what made him so exciting at BYU. But you also know that the, you know, running to your right, throwing to your left, you know, behind the armpit isn't going to necessarily fly uh until you have a few more skins on the wall and kind of get a little more comfortable but the weapons are there i'm i'm very softly buying right now i would say that's a good way to put it and I, also think, buying. I, I think that wilson benefited from patrick mahomes just like lighting the league on fire of course. So everyone was like oh let's look for the guy who can do all this crazy stuff with his arm <laughs> like well you know he's a little smaller than patrick mahomes and maybe uh you know, play played in a COVID year where they had a bunch of easy opponents and yep. like everything kind of went his way. I would love to see him succeed because he's a super fun player, yeah. but it, I, I'm a little hesitant on this one, but I do think that the way they've set up their team will know, like Absolutely. when you have a great tight end, like Tyler Conklin, <laughs> I mean, you can't, <laughs> I mean, but really though, like they've given him players. And, and so now if you screw this up royally, then you're probably just not good. They have a, system that's favorable for quarterbacks so Mm -hmm. um yeah i i I like softly buying or very skeptical still uh but would love to see it okay last one are you buying the restoring of the roar in detroit will they restore the roar? hey i watched a hard knocks clip the other day of jamal williams emotionally breaking down the huddle and he was you know, get tears in his eyes talking about how that's not who they are. They're not as bad as they were last year. Um, I, uh, I think it's, I think it's fun to talk about Dan Campbell's team surprising everybody. Yeah. Um, but I'm also like, eh, lions. So where do you stand on the restoring of the roar? I, I am more enthusiastically buying in on the lions than I am Zach Wilson, but I am not going f- you know, this is not like Bitcoin 2000, you know, April of 2020. Ah, everybody's got to buy it. No, like we're not quite there yet. But, you know, I want to see what Ben Johnson, the first year OC, like kind of the mystery man in the NFL, like, you know, who is this guy, right? It, clearly, Jared Goff benefited from uh, Dan Campbell calling plays down the stretch. He, he went for the point where oh, they're going to have to move on from him to He's our guy. And he's had a good camp. Like that's been the, the is people are shocked. Like, is it just the Lions defense isn't that good? Or is Goff sort of finding a little bit of comfort here? I don't know. I don't want to give him, you know, go too far in on that. But he looks confident now and that, that he's got some footing there a little bit. The, the options in the receiving game should be better. DeAndre Swift healthy could be very good. Offensive line, I would say top five group, maybe, you know, uh, defense questions secondary linebacker that's really where that'll define whether they're you know a five and twelve team or uh eight and nine team or whatever i mean i think that really could be the difference right there in in 
three or four wins. I think uh, Wayne Fonts will be proud of them by the end of the year. Yeah. Of the restoring of the roar, but uh, th- that they won't, they're not like a real contender. It'll be more like, well, the Lions went nine and eight or eight, and nine, and we're sure. you know, in the hunt all the way to the end. Maybe, maybe Eagles like from last year where Absolutely. we sort of acted like the Eagles had a great season. Not really. <laughs> it's just like, but they did. Anybody who does better than we think, we just want to absolutely crown them. So right. I think that's the coach of the year favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Right. Uh, okay. What's uh, the, just to wrap on this, what's one where you've been watching the Twitter updates and then your quote tweeting say, I told you so my draft eval was right. All you <laughs> fools weren't buying. And now in training camp, I am being vindicated. Who's yeah. that? I think I did that the other day with Reggie Gilliam, the Bills like number. He's like their fullback. Yeah, I, I like, saw that. I was proud of you. That was I, like the brand of the show. I hey, listen. Anytime I can get a sleeper on draft in seventh round, where I was like, "Hey, I was higher on that guy." I'm going to point it out. Forget the other twelve dozen guys that I missed on. Right? Let, let's put those to the side for a minute. That's how you get to NFL.com? Exactly. Right. Come on. Credit right here. Let's go. Yeah, no, I'd have to think about that one a little bit, but I mean, my, my all time biggest one was, was, was probably Dak Prescott. I mean, I had him in the thirties in my rankings. I thought he should have been a a late first round pick. Um, But yeah, I just, some of these guys, I'm trying to think of somebody young who was really kind of stepped up in a way that's, that's made old dad proud here. Uh, For, For me, it's kind of sky more. Like, okay. Yeah. I, I like sky more a lot as an idea for the Vikings and yep. just like, I'm not going to call him the next Debo, but he was sort of that playmaker Similar. guy. And, yep. you know, kind of interested on that one. I would say, Hmm, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one to really endure. You know, I, there's probably a few that immediately, I mean, I like Jahan Dotson a lot. Like I, I, I couldn't really talk myself out of him. I didn't, I didn't have him crazy high on my rankings, but there was this reaction when the when the uh, commanders took him, I think, 16th or 17th, whatever, you know, pretty relatively high in the draft. And, oh, you take a small receiver that, high. you know, there was so much like, wow, what a dumb pick. I was a little bit surprised that there was and he's stepped up and looks like one of the top three receivers there and a, and a playmaker. So we'll see if on that one. But that's an interesting one. Yeah, you always have to pick a few guys that you uh, kind of want to see draft analysts be sure. wrong about. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> For sure. Uh, well, as as maybe you've noticed from our conversation, you can read his work at NFL.com uh, and uh, also on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm, uh, a, a, a self-aggrandizing follow on Twitter. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, you I'm just You know me kidding. too well, I, man, right? No, yeah. I, I'm only kidding because for so long, I have, and I mean this, just respected in such a great way how you go about draft coverage. Like there's a lot of gross ways that people go about draft coverage and uh, you doing the work. um, You're always the first person I want to read when it comes to players. So I appreciate that. I try to be fair. I try to be honest. I I, I used to be a little bit too soft on guys and I realized, you know, you're going to, you're going to regret it later. Right. And if you're wrong, guess what? You're going to, everyone's wrong. So you might as well be wrong with conviction I appreciate you saying that. It's uh, it's very nice to hear those words. If you're wrong, they'll do a TikTok making fun of your report, and then that's the the only the first have time, to deal right. with. Uh, <laughs> but follow him on Twitter at Eric uh, underscore at home. I think, yeah. and uh, I'm really glad to get together with you again, man. And we'll do it again soon. You got it. Anytime, man. My pleasure.